0: college football baby college football are you ready oh yeah did your team win yesterday how many of you won? your teams won did your team lose yesterday yeah yeah we did lose Tennessee lost big time yesterday we're not going to talk about Tennessee football I, I do want to tell you a story though On opening day of 2007 in Ann Arbor Michigan the number five Wolverines well wait till I tell the story all right <laughs> That was good. I like that. Do that again like when we talk about Jesus, too. The number five, uh, Wolverines were playing Appalachian State. Big dogs are playing little dogs. And they do that because it's a win for the big teams, the Big Ten and those, those teams. So it's opening day, and Appalachian State, at the end of the first half, is actually winning 28-17. to 17. But By the end of the fourth quarter, near the end of the fourth quarter, Michigan has retaken the lead, and it's 32-31 Michigan. With a minute and 27 seconds to go, however, Appalachian State kicks a field goal, and they're up now 34-32 to 32, with 26 seconds to go. Surely they can pull this off. Michigan marches about 70 yards down the field, and they, one second they're going to kick an easy field goal, and Appalachian State blocks the field goal. And the little dog beat the big dog that day. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan, do not withdraw your fellowship <laughs> or your tithes or your offerings or, you know, don't go visit another church. So they interviewed the quarterback of Appalachian State after the game. They said, how in the world did you guys beat the number five Michigan Wolverines? And he said, well, we just watched film over and over and over and over again And we were looking for an opportunity. And when Michigan ran on the field that day, he said, we weren't looking for Michigan. We were looking for our opportunity. And we found it. Now, there's all kind of application we can make to that when it comes to work. If you're in business, you look for opportunities. You look for niches. You look for openings. I don't want to talk about that. That would all be true. Great application for today. I want to talk about something else. When you look at work, it's Labor Day weekend, and you view work, what do you see? When you have work in front of you. Now, how do we define work? Work is defined as adding value. You may work full-time. You may work for money full-time. You may work part-time. You may have been retired from a job, and now you're volunteering. You may be working harder for no pay as a volunteer work is defined as adding value. God intended for you to add value. God never intended for you to retire. Retirement's not in the book. Retirement's a first world problem. I'm not saying that you have to work for pay the rest of your life. What I am saying is retirement is you've checked out. You've decided not to add value. And you were designed... To add value. You got one guy that grows the corn. You got another guy that grows the, you know, has cows. He doesn't really grow the cows, but he has cows, all right? I never had cows. You can tell, you can tell by that story, can't you? You, you? you got a third guy that's the butcher, and you got the fourth guy who's who's the grocer. Now, you take one of those out of the equation, and you're not adding value. If one guy's not doing his job, or one lady, then the cycle, the supply chain, can't continue. So God designed you to add value. He never designed you to sit on a rocking chair on the porch the rest of your life sometime. I get a certain number, and I'm going to check out in life. Retirement's not in the book. I'm not saying you're going to stay at the same job or the same company the rest of your life. That's not my point. My point is, are you in the game? Are you adding value to society? Now, work is right there in the start of the book, isn't it? Adam and Eve were given this incredible job. It was just the world. Subdue it. Have dominion. Over-creation. Birds of the air fish in the sea. What a job description Adam and Eve had. It was absolutely huge. And we see that even then in the end of the book go now 65 more books from Genesis, count 65 to Revelation. And in Revelation, it says, we will be working. So if you really don't like to work, you don't have to go to heaven. There is an alternative if you don't want to work, okay? But I don't think you want that either. And so let me, let me ask you some questions today. And it's very fundamental, but it's a watershed issue. And let me ask you this about work. Because you're adding value to something, your stay-at-home mom, you're adding value. You're 90 years old, hopefully, you're still adding value. I don't think Abraham worked 12 hours in the field when he was 90, but I bet he still worked four. You never find the patriarchs checking out at a certain time. They they all worked. they They all added value to society and to their culture. They made a difference. So here's the question this morning Do you work in order to live? Or do you live as you work? Big difference. So let me define these. Let me describe these. A lot of people work in order to live. I hate my job. I can't wait till I get off my job. I hate doing this. Now I'm going to go party. I hate what I'm doing. I can't wait to go play. I don't like anything about this. I'm making too much money to quit. I'm enduring every minute of it, but I'm just gonna grit my teeth, bite my, you know, whatever, nails, and get through it. I got ten more years, I got two more weeks, I got two more hours, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna live, I'm gonna work, so that I can go do what I want to do. And and it really you you can be a stay-at-home parent and have the same philosophy. Let's just get these kids raised. Let's just get them through the house. Let's just send them out the door. I mean, it's the same philosophy. So I I knew this message was coming, and about the last six months, I've been testing this. So every store I go into, so let's take Starbucks, let's take Publix, let's take Target, let's go to um, Smoothie King, let's go to wherever, and I will ask the person who's working, how's your day? Seven out of ten, or maybe eight out of ten, this is a very scientific study, by the way. (laughs) Seven out of ten will say to me, I got one more hour, man. I got one more hour. I can hang on for an hour. I I got four more hours, and I'm free, baby. I'm free in four more hours. And, And about seven or eight out of ten just can't wait to get finished with the majority of their day so they can go do something else it could be righteous living it could be unrighteous living it really doesn't matter at smoothie king there's a 20 year old named sarah i've known sarah for 15 years i knew her when she was five Denise and i had dinner at her parents house and just got to know sarah you ask sarah at smoothie king how she's doing i'm doing great i got, I got three or four more hours to work. I'm going to make X number of dollars. I'm going to make some more money. I'm trying to get a second shift. I'm trying to work a few more hours. If they need me, I'll work longer. Sarah is not working in order to go live. As she works, she's living. Completely different. God never intended for you to go to work, gripe, complain, argue, mock, do all the kind of things that everybody else in the world is doing, God has placed you in a position, in an opportunity, in a home, in a neighborhood, in a company, in a business, that as you work, you live. That's the biblical model of work. Everywhere you go, you're thinking, you're praying, you're asking for help, you're asking God to lead you. Every hour, every moment as you live, you may be working for money, you may be volunteering, it really doesn't matter. You're asking God to show you, should I talk to her about Christ? Should I invite him to church? I'm praying for him, I'm praying for them. And and you see, the thing about work is, when you go to work and gripe and complain like everybody else, you lose your influence. Because you're different. You belong to a king of a different kingdom. Your kingdom is completely different than the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of this world lives for itself. It's an end unto itself. But the king that we serve, it's a means to an end. So I wouldn't have a job where I had to work in order to live. I would have a role in life that as I'm living, I'm, I'm going to serve him. Now, it may be a dark place. It may be a dirty place. You may be the only believer in your entire environment. Well, isn't that kind of cool? That God trusts you enough to put you in a culture, a context, where you may be the only believer in an office? I think you ought to walk away from that going, wow, he really trusts me. I'm not sure that he hasn't overestimated my ability, but he really trusts me, right? So I I want to talk about labor today, and aren't you glad you came this morning to talk about your job and work and retirement? Aren't you glad to be here today? So I want to talk about two guys, and I love these two guys because they're like the poster men of, of work. And they're two names that nobody's ever heard of, and I talked about them a year ago in a different context. But I read these stories of these guys over and over again. If you want to turn to the app, it's in Exodus 31, 34, 35, 36, and 38, and 39. But these guys have 10 building projects and an incredible job description. Here, here's their job description. It's, you know, pretty small. Right? Pretty easy. I mean, you mess up on this. It's not like you get fired. You die. You just die. You just get taken out if you mess, you mess this one up. So here these guys are, Bezazel and Aholiab. Bezazel and Aholiab. Now, if you've got a boy and you're pregnant and you don't have a name, pick one of these because nobody else would ever pick these. They're great names for young men, okay? So here's our story. Turn with your app. If you've got your phone app. All the scriptures are there. We'll have some fill-ins in just a minute. So here we are in Exodus 31. The Lord's now going to talk. He's going to speak to Moses. He's going to tell him about these 10 building projects bef- that are before them. I've chosen Bezael, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. And I filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills. I'm looking at a people who have exactly this. You are so skilled. You have the spirit of God's wisdom inside of you if you're a believer. And he's made you so talented in so many different ways. He's given you all kinds of skill. Now, this was to make artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, bronze, cut and set stones, work wood, engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I've appointed a Aholiab. So now we've got Bezel and a Aholiab. We've got two guys, and two guys are going to be responsible for ten different massive building projects. And I've given him the ability to all, have all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. The tent of meeting. Now here, here are the ten building projects. Don't get lost with this. Hang with me, all right? Here they are. All these things are the projects. The tent meeting, the Ark of the Covenant, um, the furnishings of the tent, the table, the lampstand, the accessories, the altar of incense, uh, the burnt offering, the basin with its stand, its utensils, lots of details here, and this is what they're supposed to do. Also, the woven garments, both the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, the garments for the sons whom they serve as priests. And the anointing oil and the fragrant incense for the holy place. This should overwhelm you. This is like the mammoth of all job descriptions. So that's Exodus chapter 31. Let's fast forward now four more chapters to Exodus chapter 35. Here they are. Moses is reiterating this. He's telling them again, I'm setting these two dudes apart. I'm setting these two guys to lead some building projects. Lord said to Moses, see, the Lord has chosen Bezael, son of Uriah, son of Hur, we just heard all that, the tribe of Judah. He's filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills to make these designs in gold, silver, bronze, to cut, set stones, to work in wood, to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. He's given uh, both him and Aholiab, son of Ahizmach of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. So you think about this, top performers aren't just good, top performers reproduce. They're not just doing their thing, top performers help other people achieve their goals and become incredibly successful. He's filled them with the skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, scarlet yarn, fine linen, weavers, and all of them skilled workers and designers. So Bezel, holy and every skilled worker, person whom the Lord God had given them, uh, to carry out all the work of the construction, they did just as the Lord God had commanded. That's the whole point. They're doing just as God said to do. Then Moses summoned these two guys again and every skilled worker to whom the Lord God had given them the ability and was willing to do to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites. Now, now watch this. How did they get all that material? We always think they're poor. But they left Egypt rich. Now just look at what all they had. We always think that they're out there in the wilderness and they're just poor as church mice, but they looted the Egyptians and they became incredibly wealthy. Look at what they had to give. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings. In other words, this wasn't their tithe. This wasn't their first fruits. This is what they wanted to do. They wanted to to make a difference. They wanted to build something. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing, and they said to Moses... The people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more. When have you heard that? That's a miracle right there, isn't it? We got more than what we know what to do with. Stop bringing all this. Stop bringing the offerings. We got more than what we need. We got so much stuff to build all this. Now, because they already had begun to the work, they had more than enough of what they were going to do. Now, how does that apply to us? Look at Colossians 3.17. You see, if, if you're a lazy worker, you don't have a lot of influence at your place of employment. If you take shortcuts at work, how can you invite somebody to church? If other people in your business have to carry more than their share of the load because you're not carrying your share of the load, how in the world do you have any leverage to share your faith or to ask them to come at Christmas Eve or, you know, Good Friday or whatever? How, how so he says this. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Shouldn't we be top performers Shouldn't we be better than everybody else? Don't we have the Spirit of God inside of us making us better and better and better? Don't we have that opportunity that, just like Appalachia State, we were looking for opportunity, we were looking for opportunity, we were looking for opportunity, and they found it? Won't the Spirit of God tell you how to get better? The answer is absolutely yes. And and if anybody ought to be a top performer today, It ought to be the people who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because he gives us clarity and direction on how to work. Whatever you do, whatever you do, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask, ask this question again. Do you work in order to have some money, to go buy some stuff, to go do some things that you want to do? Or as you are working, are you a missionary? As you are working, are you like a spy for God? As you are working, do you recognize that God's put you with people, put you in a place, put you in a culture, put you in an office, put you in a business, put you in a skill set? And God is saying to you, I have gifted you. Enjoy the ride. I have gifted you. Why would you be cooked and why would you be burned out? You know people who are burned out? They're giving more than they're taking in. Nobody's breathing. (laughs) If you're burned out, you are not taking in enough rest, food, peace, scripture, prayer, fasting. If you're cooked, you are giving out more than you are taking in. And you were never designed for that. You were never designed. You were designed to live as you work. You were designed for that. Now, I have a crisis every day. So nobody in this room can talk to me about problems and pain that's got an upper hand on me. I have seven or eight crises every single week as a senior pastor of this church. And there's no way I can do any of this if I'm not taking in more, taking in more, praying, resting, Scripture, loving, listening. Are you getting the point? I'm not letting you off the hook, am I? Well, this is Labor Day weekend. So how do we become top performers? Well, let me give you some tips that top performers talk about. And we usually focus on this more than we do taking in. But it is still important that we all become top performers. Here's what it looks like. Top performers are strong workers. Goals are set and they're achieved. Sarah at Smoothie King, she's a strong worker. She's got goals and she's going places. We'll probably all work for Sarah someday, right? (laughs) Hope we do. Top performers are dependable. They follow through. They're consistent with their follow-through. Top performers, they're positive people. They are happy to come to work, and they're happy to be at work. Why why would we not be happy at work? Because we're burned out. Well, how do we keep from being burned out? We take in more than we give out. I think I struck a nerve on that. You guys are looking at at me funny with all that, right? Top performers are self-motivated. They work effectively with little direction. That's most of you in this room. Most of you in this room do not like to be told what to do. Most of you just want a little direction and then get what? Out of my way, right? Now, how many of you will fess up to that? You're a top performer. And top performers don't like to be micromanaged. Just give me the big picture and then let me figure this out. That's what top performers do, a little bit of direction. Top performers are team-oriented. Collaboration is the norm. We talk about this on our staff all the time. Aggressive collaboration. The children's department aggressively collaborates with the youth department. The youth department aggressively collaborates with the production department. The production department aggressively collaborates with facilities. We can't do anything if facilities haven't bought into what we're doing. It's called aggressive collaboration. And you always make a better product when you aggressively collaborate. Collaborate aggressive collaboration. Top performers are effective communicators. Clarity is more important than uniformity. I have this conversation almost every day with a staff person, and I will say, I don't have to be right. I'm not sure that we're both going to agree on this, but I want to make sure that we're clear. Let's make sure that we're absolutely... I don't care if you agree with me, I, I may be dead wrong, but let's make absolute certain that we are clear. Let's walk, when we walk away from this conversation, there will be no ambiguity. We will all, both be crystal clear. You may not like me, I may not agree with you, but we're going to be clear. Does that make sense? That's what top performers do. They're not afraid of conflict. The goal is to make a better product. You can't make a better product without absolute clarity. Top performers are Flexible. They're adaptable, so there is a little bit more progress. I, I call this bendy. I'm not sure that's even a word, but I make that up. But top performers become bendy. They, they're, they're flexible. They, they, they adapt well, and, and things have to, they have to make some adjustments. So here's how the story kind of ends. It's, it's a cool story uh, out of Exodus. So all the work on the tabernacle, the tent of meeting was completed. The Israelites did everything just as the Lord commanded Moses. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses. The tent, furnishings, glass frames, crossbars, posts, bases, the covering of the ram skins dyed red and the covering of another durable leather and the shielding curtain, the Ark of the Covenant Law with its poles and the atonement cover, the table and all of its articles, and the bread of presence That's a great story there, isn't it? Now, look at this. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. And here's what Moses is asking. If you are pleased with me, you already have this. You already have what Moses was asking. Moses is foreshadowing what every believer has. You already have what he's begging God to give him. He said, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, John 16? The Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Holy Spirit will guide you into all things. Moses is begging God for what you already have. So why in the world would you work in order to live? You already have his presence. Why wouldn't we always live as we work? If you're pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied this, you've already got it. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you. Moses is begging God for God's presence. God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Did you catch the rest? Work is not just work. There's a time to rest. Who gives you the rest? doesn't come from our culture. doesn't come from your other employees or your coworkers or your boss. Who gives you the rest? Again, if you're burned out and fried today, he promises to give you rest, but, but you got to drink from his well. Moses said, if, if your presence does not go up with us, do not send us up from here. I love what Moses is asking. Moses is saying, man, God, if you're not in this, if you're not in this, if your presence isn't in this, you already have his presence. I want to read you this story so I get this story right. Um, And I'm going to keep it anonymous so you won't figure out who it is because if you worked hard enough I gave you too many details, you could figure out who this this man is. And and I'm not going to do that. So he said, I've lived most of my life pretty self-centered. If I'm honest, it's been all about me. My work's been all about me. And so he's trying to make some changes in his life. And he said, I was walking through the Tampa airport. So this is our airport. He said, I was walking through the Tampa airport and I was asking God, can I be a blessing in someone's life today? I've been so self-centered. Can I be a blessing to somebody? About that time as I was walking through our airport by the ticket counter, there was a woman screaming at the southwest corner.
1: And I walked up
0: to her and I said, I think I'm looking for you. She said, the police just came to my door two hours ago told me my daughter was blown up in a Humvee in Afghanistan. Both of her femurs are broken. All of her ribs are broken. And 85% of her body is burnt. And they've medevaced her from Afghanistan, she's in the military, to St. Vincent Hospital in Carmel, Indiana. I've been there 50 times. I told the police just take me to the airport. I didn't even lock the house up. I left my house unlocked. And I asked her, this friend of mine, I asked her, where's your luggage? She said, I don't have any. I don't need any. How long will you be there? She said, "I I don't know. Months as my daughter will recover. Don't you have anything, he asked. She said, I have a driver's license. He said, well, you don't need anything. You have. things do you need that Jesus Christ hasn't already given to you? Now, I'm not saying we don't have wants. I have everything I could ever need. Don't you? I have forgiveness. I have no shame because Christ has taken away all reproach. I have a future. I have The promise of eternal life. What in the world do you need that you don't already have? I don't need anything. And he said to her, you don't need a thing. You have me. And so when Moses is asking for God's presence to lead him, you and I have that. He has promised He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He has promised that he will guide you into all truth. He has promised that he will take away all shame, all embarrassment, all reproach. He will give you a hope and a future. I don't need a thing because of his presence. And so let's let's live in that presence. I I am not going to work so I can get a number someday and check out and just quit adding to society. Are you? You were not designed to not add value. You were wired to add value. So you're in a home, you're in a family, you're in a neighborhood, you're in an apartment complex, you're in a townhouse, You're in a house, you're in a business, you're in an office, you're, where are you? Appalachian State, they were looking for opportunity and they found it. And that's my prayer for you. My prayer and my hope for you is that you find exactly the opportunity that is placed before you. Christian, this morning, I I don't know how else to package this. I don't know what else to say. That you will have a Savior who will give you forgiveness and eternal life, and this is your day. This is your moment. I encourage you to do this today. I encourage you to add value, whether it's mentoring or volunteering or praying or while you're at work. And maybe you're so busy at work you can't volunteer make such a, maybe you're such a busy mom, you really can't, but you can so pour in and add value to those children around you. Let's stand. Let me ask our prayer partners to come down front. And our prayer partners will pray for you and pray over you. And if you want to give your life to Christ today, they will take your profession of faith and they will help you. all right, so here's the assignment. Ready? That was the wind-up. Here's the pitch. Okay? If you're a nurse or a fireman or a police officer or a doctor and you have to work this afternoon, are you going to just work until you get off your shift? Or are you going to go on your shift and live Tomorrow? school teacher, you get on an airplane, you fly to Texas for a business meeting, whatever you do, are you going to tomorrow, are you going to live, add value as you work? You were destined